this here. I'm going to ask that you turn with me to Exodus chapter 14. As you're turning there, the uh, saints at Bristol say hello to each and every one of you. We pray for you. We trust you pray for us. Everybody needs prayer. Uh, last week we had Vacation Bible School. Uh, I think we have it in a safer spot than you guys do. I understand you have it near an ocean. And, uh, but we, we had, on the average, 50 young people. And I think we had 40 workers. So that was a nice ratio. My son wrote it. We are not spending $500 to buy one. We, we actually write it. We're thinking of publishing them. We were in the investigators. And they, my other son built a time cap or a tunnel. So you had to go back in time to meet the vineyard man or the talking tree by Psalm 1. And so things like that. And it was kind of interesting that we had a person dress up as a talking tree. And uh, so it was a good time. And the gospel went out. And many people we trust, young people, grew, and maybe even some of the families. They asked me to come and speak this week. And um, one of the things that kind of... uh, threw me off a little bit was, should I read everything? Uh, that, because it's a whole chapter and a little bit of another chapter, 14 and 15. So I'm just going to break it down a little bit and go over the first. There's 10 Red Sea rules. There's a, a British man named uh, David Raven, uh, David Ravenhart. And he's a British evangelist. And he said that this is one of the Old Testament miracles that was very dramatic that has been used throughout all of Scripture. And we will see that as time goes on. And one of the nice things about this morning is the ushers were rejoicing in the fact that there's copies to pass out because they could do more work for the Lord. And one of those ushers, my son, I think he had a little bit of saying, why didn't you just send it out on email? But that way he gets to work. So the important thing now, if I'm going to ask you to turn, if you haven't already, to Exodus chapter 14. I'm just going to read a couple of verses, uh, like 15. And here it goes. In verse 1, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Pi-Herathoth, between Megdal and the sea, over against Belzephon, before it shall... Before it shall ye encamp by the sea. And Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land of the wilderness that shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that ye shall follow after them. I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, and the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Drop down to verse 9, please. And the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses of chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea beside Pi and Belzephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were so afraid and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. 
Go to verse 13, please. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he has showed to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch thy hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Verse 21, please. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind and all that night, and made the sea of dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them to the midst of the sea, even all of Pharaoh and the horses, his chariots and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily So that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thy hand over the sea, and the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea and returned to its strength. When the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned, and covered the chariots, and the horsemen, and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. And the, but the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Verse 1 of chapter 15. Then sang Moses unto the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. And the Lord is my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Let's ask God to bless the reading of his word. Father, thank you. Thank you for scriptures that guide our pathways. Thank you, Father, for who you are and what you have done by way of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he is our example. It says in the scriptures, see the salvation of the Lord. We have seen it if we have accepted. You have chosen us, and we are special, peculiar people. 
Let us honor you in all that we say, do, and think. Open up our hearts this morning. Put this speaker aside and let the Holy Spirit have his way. So this morning we ask for your help. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I always like to start off with a um, story. And um, this story is about a guy named Denzel Washington. And this, uh, he, he was going to celebrate disappointment or prosperity. It didn't matter. After receiving his second Academy Award, Denzel Washington said to his family, I told you if I lost tonight, I'd come home and we'd celebrate. And if I won tonight, I will come home and we'd celebrate. Denzel Washington, is a, Christ, a professed Christian, was trusting God whether in blessing or in disappointment. A Christian couple when a, was a, uh, were a, inspired to follow Denzel's example. The woman was applying for a dream job that she had just opened up where she worked. The interview went well, but she also realized that she might not get that particular position. The husband said, let's make reservations at our favorite restaurant this Friday to celebrate no matter the outcome. And soon the news came that someone else was afforded the job. But that Friday, the disappointed couple still celebrated while eating the delicious meal. They were able to count their blessings and renew their faith in God, who holds tomorrow's opportunities in his hands. David wrote, King David wrote, back in Psalm 30 and 11, 12, Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness, to the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. That's quite an attitude that, whether it be King David or whether it be Denzel Washington or the woman that didn't get her job. But what it really comes down to is when you look at God's word and he opens up your heart and directs your path, if you truly trust him, he will bring you to a place where he wants you to be at any time, whether there's prosperity or whether you may think there's disappointment. But remember that many trials and disappointments build our faith if we keep our eyes on him. And he can turn our mourning into dancing. As you look at the Red Sea rules, you will see that we covered the first five the last time I was here. And that was my dilemma this week was, well, how do I bring those that weren't here into here? Because <laughs> we're going to start in verse 6, but I'll give you a little summary on the first five. Reading this uh, book by uh, uh, Morgan, Robert Morgan, uh, actually changed my thinking on a lot of things. When you go through a trial, if you look at your outline, the very first one says, realize that God means for you to be where you are. So no matter what condition you are in, remember, this is where God wants you to be at this particular time. Well, if you're in a sin situation, well, God doesn't really want you to be in the sin situation, but it may have to build your character a little bit. So 
But remember, he directed, he orchestrated Israel to go between two mountains, Lompai and Belzephon, to Megdal. Go over there. And the Red Sea and the Egyptians, I'm going to harden their heart, and they're coming after you. They didn't have any weapons except one weapon called prayer. Well, the second one is always be concerned for, God, for God's glory more than for your relief. I had a young man uh, a couple of weeks ago say to me that he, he couldn't meet with me because we were discipling one another. He couldn't meet with me because his appendix burst. And that uh, when they went in and looked at him, they found that his upper intestines had cancer. And this last week he had the operation. Well, it's looking at God's honor and glory during that time. When we go through times of trials and tribulations, are we giving God the honor and are we giving him the glory? Do people see what is going on in your life, in my life, so that we can give him the honor, that we give him the glory? Step three. Acknowledge your enemies, but keep your eyes on the Lord. Always keep your eyes on the Lord. Acknowledge the, the enemy is tough out there. And it's, it's the world, it's the flesh, and it's the devil. But keep your eyes focused. Set your set affections on things above and not things of the earth. Keep him the center of your life. Remember, he chose you. He died for you. He rolls again so that we have a living God that will take care of us. So we should honor him. We should glorify him in all things. So keep your eyes on Christ. If you do it in reverse, you'll be in a tizzy, whatever that is. Four, pray. Pray. I don't think I have to explain that too much. But they lifted up their eyes and they prayed. That was the greatest weapon that they could have. Invite Christ into your life, into your circumstances. And when you're going into prosperity areas, double up your prayers. Because that's when you think you can do it on your own, and you can't. Number five, stay calm and confident and give God time to work. God will deal, deal with it, but you've got to allow him the time. Because for whatever reason, whatever prayer you prayed for way back when, maybe two years earlier, and you asked for courage or you asked for strength or you asked for prosperity or you asked for whatever it was, well, you weren't ready to receive it back then because you would have fallen on your face. But maybe now you can receive it. So when you're going through these times, this is when God says, I can work with you. All right, that's the first five. You can get the tape for whenever I was here, and I don't remember the date that it was this year. So you don't have to go too far back. So now you look and see, all right, we go to verse uh, 15, and we see, and the Lord, well, I'm going to go to verse 14 because I like verse 14 very much. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. I wish we could do that more often. Realize that God is fighting for us. We can hold our peace. And that's where we stay confident and, and sure 
In verse 15, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift up thy rod and stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. I want you to stop and think for a moment that you're one of those million people that are at the Red Sea and you see, you literally see and can hear the Egyptians coming. Swords drawn. How do you, how do you feel? Pretty confident now? You have an invisible God. But yet that's how we treat life so many times. That we don't really trust God. We say we do. But then our emotions get away from us. I heard over and over and over this week how this person was anxious, how this person was anxious, how this person worried, how this person just wants to give up. And I said, what is going on with Christians? Israel could not see the distant shore. They had no binoculars. They didn't even know what they were. But the Lord gave them a simple plan. Go forward. So what do we do? Step number six, as you stay calm in five, as you prayed in four, as you acknowledge God in three, as you want to give God the glory in two, and realize that God has made you in this position, number one, now you go forward. And how do you do that? Take the next logical step. What is that? Well, whatever God tells you through. Don't flip the Bible through and put your finger in and say, this is what he has. Because you'll never know what you end up with. Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount. This is in Matthew 6.34. Take therefore no thought for the moral, for the moral shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day of the evil thereof. That's kind of complicated, so let me break it down. Another way to say this is this. So don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time. But take the next logical step. I trust, beloved, that you all pray for one another. And one of the prayers that Paul did have for for the different assemblies and churches out there that we would have spiritual understanding, that we would receive wisdom. Even James in chapter 1 says, if you don't have wisdom, ask for it. And for those who have Jesus Christ in their heart, he will guide your pathway. Take the next step, logical step. If you step and you find that it's getting a little bit worse, take a step back. Go to step number four. Start praying again. Stay confident, though. God has seen you. He knows where you are. Abraham's servant, I love this guy, Eliezer, Eliezer, uh, while on a mission to Mesopotamia, he was finding a bride for Isaac. You remember that guy, that little story? And so when Rebecca uh, asked him, well, what's this all about? What do you, why are you here? This is what this servant said. I, being in the way... I being in the way, the Lord led me. Now, you can look at that two ways. I was in the way of the Lord, and he led me out of there. Or I was 
doing obedient to the word of God, and he brought me here. So you can look at it two ways, depending on what kind of attitude you are at that point in time. Either way, get out of God's way and let him work. He will bring you forth, and you will take the next logical step. Sometimes you have to do it by faith. David in Psalm 119, 105, you say this over and over again, the Lord is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You ever see the old, old, those old oil lamps? I mean, it's not like the fluorescent lights where it blinds you. You light that lamp, if you can light it, and you take a step. What do you see? What's in front of you? And then you better move the lamp because otherwise you're going to trip over the log or the stone. And so just take one baby step at a time. Let them work. Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. So it seems that we get to a point in our daily lives and trials that we take a step back or we stand still. We just get all flustered. So we just stand still or, or don't do anything. Not being sure, being unsure what to do. We get our emotions going, and then we start living off our emotions. But we have to stop and get them under control. Again, you go back to step four and pray. Give God time to work. Stay obedient. Take a step of obedience of faith forward, whatever that case may be. But take a step forward and see if God opens or closes doors. And that's what Moses was told to do. Stretch forth thy hand. And with that great object lesson, now opened up the sea. And he stressed it twice, that they walked on dry ground. The Egyptians didn't have the same blessing. They lost the wheels of the chariots. And now they had to drag and couldn't pull them out. And the walls would come down upon them. So then you go to step seven of the ten rules. And again, beloved, these rules actually changed my life and my thinking a lot. Because we do go through trials. We do go through areas in our life that we need direction and pathways. And so we go to verses 19 and 20. And it says, And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that one came not near to the other all the night. And so we see that, at this point in time, who's the angel of God? Who's the angel of God? But if you went back to Exodus 13 and verse 21, you, you get a, a view of it. Verse 21 says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. And you see it starts off, In that verse 21, and the Lord went before them. 
The Lord was in the cloud. He was in the pillar of fire. And so he's there at all times. They call that Theophanies or Christophanies. It's a singular Old Testament appearance of God himself. It's Jesus there in the Old Testament. So God the Son came between the camp of the Egyptians and the Israel camp. A cloud of darkness to one and a light to the other. Isn't that fascinating? How can you ever turn on your lamp and you find that one side is light and the other side's darkness and you only have one bulb? Anybody ever do that? No, usually when the bulb goes, the whole thing's gone. Or when it's all lit, the whole thing's lit. But this is not what God has done. He is actually is showing himself. He's the visible God. I love David when he says, I would have been discouraged unless I perceived to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Are you looking for God's goodness? Do you see his blessings? I had a couple lumps under my arm one time, and of course the guys at work were joking with me. They said, who am I in a week? I didn't appreciate that. But when I went to the doctors, and I had on my chest, as he was examining my arm, the peace with God and the peace of God. And I I saw that the peace was there. Be confident. He has us in his hands. So we need to what? Envision God at all times, that he's with us. He's near us. Matter of fact, he's in us. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you look at the Scriptures close enough, you'll see that he gave us the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. But he also says in his prayers that he's in us, and the Father's in us, and the love, because he has chosen us to be his peculiar people, a holy and royal priesthood. It says in in Philippians 4, 5, and 6, Know that the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, we've already read. But it says in verse 5 at the end, Know that the Lord is at hand. Keep God's presence in your thought life at all times. Isaiah 41, 10. 10, God said to Isaiah, Fear not, for I am with you. And many times we have to be reminded that God is right there with us. In Genesis 28 and 15, it says, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. As he's telling the Old Testament saints in Acts 18, 9 and 10, he says, Speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you. Are you getting the point that I am with you? And so when we live our life, and we leave this building, may we be people that people see Christ in us, that they can give, we can give honor and glory to God because of who is in us. He, remember, he's not a guest in our house. He bought us. He purchased us. And for that, we should be praising him and thanking you, thanking him for that. So how do you master the presence of God? I'm going to give you four steps. If you can master it. I'm still working it. Affirm or meditate, number one. Know that God is the nearness of God in your heart. Search the Bible that talk of God's nearness. 
And we just read a few of those. So understand, he'll say over and over again, I am with you. I'm in you. I died for you. I lived for you. And it's personal. So step number two is visualize God's presence in your heart and in your mind. Notice it's the heart and the mind. It's not the mind and then the heart. This is step seven. So envision him, that he's with you at all times. Visualize it. See God in your heart as both a shepherd and a deliverer. He'll do both. Visualizing God's presence as a comfort, it also restrains us if we have sinful attitudes. You know, when you realize that it's the sin that put him to the cross of Calvary and the forgiveness that brings us to him. And his mercy and his grace, if you're studying his attributes, then also study his love and see how that love goes. Because of what he did on that cross of Calvary, we can live today. And we can see what's happening before us for tomorrow. So first one is meditate upon him. Second one is visualize his, his presence with God. I had a gentleman at work always taking the Lord's name in vain. He didn't realize he was even doing it. He professed to be a Christian. So every time he would take the Lord's name in vain, I would say, Adonai. Or he, he would do it again, and I would say, Jehovah. And he would do it again, and I would keep going. Jesus, Christ, Jehovah, Jariah. And I would do this. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, you're taking the Lord's name in vain. I'm just telling you who he is to me. He says, well, I didn't realize it. How can I stop it? I says, visualize his face. Every time you start to think or get into a predicament, visualize that God is right there with you. Open up your heart to him. See what he would have for you. Step number three, access God's nearness in prayer. You know, it says in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15, it's one of the real hard ones to memorize, uh, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? I walk around town chanting? No, they'll think you're weird. What do you do? Keep in constant communication through your thoughts. Maybe even if you have to say it loud, say it. But realize that he's near you and you can talk to him. Draw near unto God and he will draw near unto you. And that's a promise of God to each and every one of us. By Faith, we enter his presence. So be intimate with God. Be very intimate. Pray without ceasing. And then step four, reflect his presence in your demeanor. If you truly believe that he's in you, if you truly believe that he has drawn near to you because you have drawn near to him, then live for Christ. What does it say in Galatians 2 and 20? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What a, what a promise. What an act that he has performed for each and every one of us. Step eight. I have to go through this quickly. I'm, I don't remember what time I started. My wife times me all the time. 
Step eight is trust God to deliver you in his own unique way. The only thing I can say about this one, well, a lot of things I can say about this one, but stop helping God. We try to think because it's not happening right away, we're going to do things. Well, you never invited them in. You didn't pray. Or if you did pray, you're not giving them time to work in his own unique way. What did he tell Moses? Stretch forth your hand over the sea. That's obedience. So the, one of the things you want to do in everyday living is stay obedient to the scriptures of God. Stay obedient to them. That shows, if you love me, he said, keep my commandments. John chapter 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. The other thing he said in John, I think it was 13, he says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another the way I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Do people know that you're a Christian? Do people see the love? And hopefully they, they do. Job chapter 5 and 15 says, He, that is God, shall deliver thee in six troubles, yea, in seven there shall be no evil touch thee. What faith Job had. I love Mrs. Job too. A lot of people put Mrs. Job down, but she just loved her husband so much. She couldn't see the agony that he was going through. So curse God and die. Wrong direction. But she loved him. But he loved God. And he stayed the course. And God expressed to him once again, you'll see six troubles in seven. Not a problem. I'm with you. Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Anybody having a bad day? I don't see hands. All right. If you're having a bad day, take a moment and start looking at what they went through. Now, I would say Israel had a bad day. Or did they have a great day? You see, it all depends on how God is going to work, and he works in a very unique way. Remember Hebrews 13 and 8, where it says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's God. He hasn't changed. He is Elohim. He is Adonai. He is Yahweh and Jehovah. He's the same person yesterday, today, and forever. Also remember Isaiah 55 and 8 where he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. And a lot of times we think we have the answer. We put all our logic together, but we didn't throw that one little thing in called faith. And then we just get ourselves in a deeper hole. Stop getting into that deeper hole and give it to God. Invite him into your circumstances and you'll be amazed. And look for the way he treats and gets you out of those situations. The key verse, again, for everyone would be uh, John 13 and 7. For what I do... What I do thou knowest not now, 
but thou shalt know hereafter. Give him time to work. Sometimes you may not get the answer until you get to heaven. In Paul's last letter, this is what he wrote. The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me from the heavenly kingdom. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and 8. You know what happened shortly after? He was, he, he, he was killed. He was beheaded, his body cast aside, and his head tossed into the grave after him. After all, Paul was, in fact, delivered. Trust God to deliver in his own unique way. <laughs> Paul didn't want to come back in the first place, and he was delivered. Do you have that type of faith? I'm wondering if I even have that type of faith. Step nine. It says, view your current crisis as a faith builder for the future. And this is in Exodus 14, verse 30 and 31, where it says, And the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And, the Lord saw the great, and Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. But it took a visual thing to see the mighty work of God. Again, David said that wonderful thing in Psalm 27:13. Unless I perceived to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, I would have been discouraged. Hudson Taylor, you may have heard of his uh, missionary out there. I know he tries me only to increase my faith. What an attitude. I know he tries me only to increase my faith. Beloved, God can test us. But I would strongly suggest don't test him. Let him test us. Because the testing is the building of our faith. Why does God allow trials and tribulations and problems through our life? Well, if we reflect on him, we will see that they increase our maturity if we hold on to the faith that he has given us. They will develop strength and stamina in us as we look and keep him the center of our life. They will increase our faith. You know that little mustard seed that came in? What did one of the old-time preachers say? A little bit of faith brings me to heaven. A whole lot of faith brings heaven to me. Let heaven come to you. Let him show you. Why is the Bible full of promises? Do you ever stop and think why? You see, faith is a growing entity. Have faith as a grain of mustard seed, and it grows into a tree. God intends to develop us spiritually. And each one of us, he's looking at, he knows you. I don't know how God does all of that. But he looks into each and every one of you, whether you're a brand new Christian or you're a brand old Christian. He works and he will guide and he will have you continue to grow. If anybody ever read the Bible through, I'm, I'm getting a lot of people tell me that I'm reading the Bible through this year. Right? That's wonderful. But don't read it so fast you miss the beauty of what he's saying. Professor Ironside once said, I have studied the Bible for 70 plus years and I'm just scratching the surface. And how true that is. The more you see, the more 
you see the blossoms and the beauty of who God is. Israel is seeing the beauty and the blessings of God as God saves them. See the salvation of the Lord, Moses said, by way of our Lord. Then the last step would be, and I don't like what is said in the book. The book says, don't forget to praise God. I I don't even like that step. What I don't like about that step is where it says, don't forget. Beloved, we should be praising God all the time. Because if you praise God all the time, again, Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, If thou be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth, for ye are... For ye are dead, and the life is hid with Christ in God. And if you stop, I'm going to give you seven things. If you start praising God, these seven things may come out to you. Praise, again, is to extol, is to exalt. By the way, when Moses wrote this in 15, 1 and 2, this is the longest of the first song that was actually ever written for God and for what was happening. We see that praise gets focus off of ourselves and back onto God. Psalm 35 and verse 28. And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. This is, again, step number one where we keep our eyes on God and not on self. To give him honor and to give him glory. So if you start praising God you will see that it gets eyes off of self. And I see way too many Christians focusing on themselves and not the honor and glory of God. Start praising. And I say that to me. And if you want to listen, that's okay too. Two, praise brings us to a place of humility. Praise will bring us to... On the way up, I'm listening to a CD of different songs. And... There was one song which is not biblically correct, but this man sings the song. And this is what he says. Does he still feel the nails every time I sin? If he does, then I have to change. Well, that brings you to a place of humility, beloved. When you praise in God and see his mightiness, how much love he has, all his attributes start to fall out. Well, that shows you how little we are and how great he is. I asked many Sunday school kids many times, I said, how big is God? Oh, and they say, well, he's so big, he, he handles the universe. How small is he? He's small enough to fit right here in my heart. Number three. By the way, and number two is Psalm 35 and 18. I will give thanks unto the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. And that's what we should do, praise in God. Number three, praise removes complaining and negativity. <laughs> oh, I wish more Christians would take this one to heart. There are many negative people out there. You ever see the world? I stopped getting the newspaper. I tried to shut off the news. Man, it's, it's bleak out there. But you have to live it. 
Hebrews 13 and 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, a heart of thanksgiving. You think Israel, after the defeat of the Egyptians, praised God? I would say, yes, they did. So that's number three, and that's a sacrifice that we're supposed to do, the sacrifice of our lips. Number four, praise makes room for God's blessing in our lives. Praise makes room for God's blessing in our lives. Ephesians 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Praise opens the floodgates to blessings. You know, when Jesus Christ rose again, he ascended, and he went on the right hand of the Father on high. The right hand is a picture of authority and power. And that opened up the floodgates to all our prayers. As we pray to him, he can work out miracles that we seem to think are impossible, and he makes it all possible. So praise makes room for God's blessings in our lives. <laughs> Number five. Praise invites God's presence. Not only is he in us, but we have to learn to invite him into our circumstances. Praise does that because it gets that focus off of self onto him and he's with us. And we understand he's with us. First Peter 2.9 But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a peculiar people, that ye should show forth praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're going through a real bad time? Stop praising God. And the enemy will be defeated. And you're, you can start looking in how God works in his own unique way. God looks or he desires our praises. Our thanksgivings. Number six, praise refreshes us in his presence. Praise refreshes or renews us in his presence. Psalm 1611, thou will show me the path of life. If thy presence is fullness of, thy, in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. God is a God that gives. He's a giving God and he wants to bless us over and over and over again. Allow him to bless you. Praise him. He looks for that. He desires that. And, but it brings his presence into our soul, into our spirit. And we see him work in a mighty, mighty way. And then the last one, praise makes the enemy flee. And God's power to be displayed. The enemy will flee. They don't want to hear the praises of God. Matter of fact, they'll try to stop you. Praise in Second Chronicles 20 and 22 says, And when they began to sing in praise, now you remember Jehoshaphat didn't have the weapons. And was it uh, Sennacherib uh, had 185,000 of Ammons and all these others that are coming to destroy them. And so they went up to the mountain. And then this is what they said. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, set ambushes against the children of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, 
which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. (laughs) The Lord of hosts took care of 185,000 people with weapons. God took care of the Egyptians so that he would receive honor and that he would receive glory. The impossible is made possible, and God is honored and glorified. So remember, no matter what condition you are in, God knows exactly where you are. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you think about what to do next. Give him time. Allow the scriptures to unfold into your heart, and you will get a direction. You will get a path, and you will receive blessing upon blessing as you praise him over and over again. Let's close. Father, thank you for an opportunity to open up scriptures to see you. Help us to read again as we go through the Bible. Slow us down a little bit, Father, so that we see the beauty of you in every verse and scripture that comes before us. Help us to understand the contents. But most of all, Father, help us to be obedient to every word that you have placed before us. Let us walk in the pathways of promises so that we honor you, so that we glorify you until we meet again. We ask that you continue to bless and watch over everyone that either visits or fellowships here at Brantford Bible Chapel. Guide their pathways and help them this morning and throughout the years. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.